Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. Oh, greetings. <laughs> six days. We have uh, we've saved it all up. We've saved up the hatred, the bitterness and everything else. Well, I brought you the bad weather. I decided very wisely to take the time off when we had dreadful snow and we were up to knee deep in the pretty stuff, which was a nightmare for the rest of the country. School kids love it, of course. It's a case of, oh, we don't have to go to school today. No, you don't have to go to school today and probably didn't go yesterday or the day before either. It's all a bit of a mess, isn't it, really? But I am through the other side of this thing. And if you've got it, and I don't want to go on about it because it's tedious for everybody, including myself, it all started, as you know, about a week ago with just a little sort of tickle. And then that gradually turned into a cough. And then the cough turned into the worst cough of all coughs. And, um, and then we got sort of a sore throat. And once you've got a sore throat, if you're a speech presenter, you are what they call up a gum tree. It was really difficult. And so every morning when I woke up, I sort of, I tried. I tried to speak. <laughs> and it was pathetic. I mean, it really, I mean, as you can hear, little bits of it. But bearing in mind, I've had, I've had six days off. Yeah, I went, to, I came in on the Monday, had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So it's seven days. It's been more than it. It's been seven days I've had off, actually. God, I tell you. I need to come back to work. The, the danger at the moment of me not having turkey on Christmas. I mean, somebody said to me, have you, have you eaten into your savings? I said, well, I've eaten everything else at the moment. Um, I've drunk liquids. I've done, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. Plus, in the meantime, if, if there was a good thing that came out of this, you know, and, and don't, somebody said to me, oh, it's nice to rest. I said, believe you me, when you're coughing your lungs up, there's no rest in it at all. In fact, at one point, my chest hurt so much. I thought, this is ridiculous. So I've, I've done the cough mixture. I've done the tickly. I've done the throaty. I've done the chesty. Uh, I've done everything, barring having an embrocation rubbed in. But nevertheless, I watched a bit of television. My God, it's crap. I suddenly realised over the festive season what a pile of old dross there is out there. I mean, I sat there trying to think, if I was on air, if I was doing the programme, what would I be saying? And I thought... I just have to close down because there was nothing to talk about. I couldn't give a stuff about I'm a celebrity. I know it sounds very harsh, but to be honest with you, I'm not really interested in sort of, you know, um, girls from... Thank you. Stuck up. It's quite a nice colour you've got there, isn't it? It's very nice. They're all very excited round here this morning. Christmas party time tonight. <laughs> We've had all the locks changed. Nobody's coming back in the building again, I promise you. And, uh, and so I was, I was sort of... I, I sort of kept up marginally with I'm a Celebrity, only because there was absolutely nothing else on the television. But I didn't watch very much of it, because, to be honest with you, I was so exhausted by the time we got to that time of night that I was just, I was nodding off to sleep. And uh, so I caught up with the After Effects, and then I discovered there was sort of uh, Amir Khan. My God, he was thick. Dear Lord above, how do you get to be that age and that stupid? And then, of course, I looked at uh, Tamara Eccleston, and I suddenly realised it's quite easy to be that stupid. She seems to manage it, you know, with spades. And... Gemma Collins, yeah, because, like, here's the GC tree, and it? It's in my seat, and I've got this, and it. And then the old bag names the company who's doing it for her as a freebie. As a freebie, look. She can't even decorate a tree. 
It really is embarrassing. I'll tell you what you need for Christmas from Father Christmas, love. Liposuction. OK, go for lipo. It's the best thing for you. Seriously, ah, oh, do you know, she, she was on, on the trailer for The Only Way is Essexmas or something like that. She's there going like, you know, you're like messing with my mind. I thought, two three-year-olds together. How exciting is that? What, what marvellous conversations do you think they have? I don't know, do you want... Do you want the red smarty or the green smarty? I don't know. Which one? Which one's less fattening, do you reckon, Arge? Two thickos in the same room. It's an embarrassment. Over and I'm a celebrity. The jungle set was uh, really coming into its own. Snakes and, um, and somebody as desperate as George Toffolo, or Georgie, because she's like posh girl. Unfortunately, she's not that posh. We saw her mother on there. Well, there was nothing posh about her at all. Then you realise that the father's a rag and bone man. Rag and bone! Oh, look at that. The voice is coming back beautifully. I tell you, I've saved this up for six days. You think you're getting away with it lightly this morning. Ah, think again. Think again. There's no, no breaks on this programme, because if I have a break, I might collapse. So I'm keeping going until eventually the good Lord decides to take me. And so I'm sort of watching it. And so Georgie Toffolo, 13 grand she got. So all the cobblers that you read about, oh, they've got £100,000 here and two hundred thousand. It's rubbish. You get them cheap as chips. Georgie Toffolo. Who's heard of her? Nobody. What does she do? She's like sort of semi-posh bird who doesn't really do anything. And then some quasi-agent from up north somewhere reckons she can make five million in the first year. Another load of old codswallop on us. I've never heard so much rubbish. And so then you get down to the last three. And what do you come up with? Jamie Lomax, Lomas or something like that. Turns out he's Kim Marsh's ex. That's his claim to fame, poor soul. And what does he do? Well, he's so desperate for work. He was in Hollyoaks. And you know that is like the graveyard. That's the great... If ever you see girls on Strictly Come Dancing and you've got no idea who they are, Hollyoaks. That's where they're from. That is where they go. That's where they, they put all the... They go, sorry, ho- uh, you're in Hollyoaks. Never heard of you. It's like the other day I'm watching... Sorry to move about. I'm watching Eggheads. And it was lovely. And they went, and today, children's TV presenters. First one came on. No idea. A lot of makeup, And obviously one of those, you know, 45 playing 12. Uh, and then the next one... No idea. Told us he was on Blue Peter. Not a clue. Next one, he was on another programme about something to do with cooking. Never heard of him. Next one, another over-made-up poor girl. You might have seen me on News Round. You might have said, well, we haven't seen you at all, darling. I didn't know who any of the presenters were on Eggheads. Bring back Daphne, that's what I say. Is it, is it, is it MI5? I'll tell you, it was the only highlight of the programme, as far as I was concerned. I've told you I've saved this up. You think I'm sitting down here twiddling my thumbs doing knitting? Think again. Think again. Nobody sleeps at this time of the pro. You might want to sleep. I promise you, go on, risk it. Turn off the radio. You won't turn it off. You're too desperate, aren't you? Anyway, so at the end of the day, with a vote of 70 plus percent, uh, Georgie Toffolo, heiress to absolutely nothing, but dragged her poor mother on. Who Anyway, so the mother was there. And uh, and she wins, 71%, which meant that the other two, uh, old Lomac, who's been dropping hints about, oh, I'd love to go into EastEnders. I'd like to see you acting first, dear. That'll be a first for everybody. And then Ian Lee, apparently a radio presenter. And he came third. But did you not think... Now, I'm sorry to say this, because it grieves me. Well, it doesn't, actually. I'm just saying that for an effect. But it's a case of, I thought... I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here is an entertainment programme. I thought that's what it sold as. It's sold as, uh, to us as an entertainment programme. These are people, you're going to love them or hate them or all the rest of it. They've all got issues. 
They've all got issues. It turns out that Ian Lee's got mental health issues. And so we end up with somebody talking about that. I'm thinking, this is not the platform. This is an entertainment show. If you're seriously making an entertainment out of that, you're on the wrong bloody programme. Rebecca Vardy, or Becky, as she's now calling herself. You know, and then the letter from the kids. We really think you've done... What if she was doing it for herself? She couldn't give a stuff about the children. She's doing it because she wants to launch some sort of career. So she drops hints. Oh, I'd love to go on to Loose Women and be a panelist. What for? You can barely string two words together. You're just an attention seeker. You know, Toffee Toffolo was there. Bit of posh totty. You know, what do they talk about on uh, Made in Chelsea? Sex. Sex. What has she talked about? She wants to be an MP. I didn't see any evidence of intelligent life that side of the uh, of the uh, of the line. I'm afraid there was just nothing going on. All I see is two blokes presenting. You do it very well. Indeterminate age. They could be five. They could be fifty. They could be anything at all. And they make celebrities do stupid things. These celebrities, in inverted commas, because there was no celebrities on this program. Take my word for it. They're just ordinary people. They're prepared to eat anything in an attempt to win. And I'm thinking. Your life must be so blooming sad that you've got to go onto a programme and they go, we're going to cover you in bugs and everything. I think not. I think not. I would be the one dragging Ant and Deck, screaming into the thing, chuck them in the coffins, chuck as many bugs and snakes on top of them and rats. And they say, I tell you what, let's see how well you do. Because frankly, the programme is a pile of chronic awfulness. It was dreary. All we're dealing with is people's emotional problems. People sit there and go, oh, shut up, go somewhere else. Go to the Jeremy Kyle show. That's far more entertaining. All we need to do to get you on the Kyle show, knock a few of your teeth out and give you some tattoos and you're there. You could be a star on the Jeremy Kyle show, especially if you've had three children with three different men and you've slept with your next door neighbour and your mother turns out not to be your mother. I mean, that's what the whole programme's about, isn't it? It's dysfunctional people. You look at them and you think, my God, you're, you're filth. You're absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And then, as I say, we have to come back to Essex because you've got little Bobby Cole Norris, talks like a three-year-old again. But they all talk like three-year-olds. Can't any of them string two words together. So poor old Bobby Cole Norris can't find anybody on a dinner date, let alone in real life. You know why? An embarrassment. A total embarrassment. Like most of the people on the programme, they've all got issues. Thank God we've seen the back of Lydia Dim. Because let's face it, we'd seen the front of her and that wasn't too exciting. Mother with the hair plugged into the electric socket. Arge, who can barely string two words together, think ha ha ha, and thinks he's a singer. His career's gone nowhere. Gemma Collins, who, <coughs> excuse me, is just a little bit embarrassing. You know, for a 36-year-old woman. And then even worse, even worse, Westlife are going to reform. They're coming back. The good news is without Brian. Because Wyatt, Brian was the one, Brian McFadden, remember? Used to sleep with uh, Kerry Coke Toner. Got kids with her and all the rest of it. That's an exciting prospect, isn't it? Not really. And, um, and so they're going to come back without him. Who said this? Louis Walsh. And I trust Louis Walsh. So if he says they're coming back, they're going to come back. I don't know why they ever stopped, actually. They were a very good band. You, you could sort of do, do things with them. The only reason I sort of, I'm a bit down, the only reason I'm a little bit down, is I'm sort of thinking, there's nothing new, is there? We had the X Factor with a group called, whoever they're called. Again, we've forgotten instantly. They were all over the newspapers and they were going, this is going to be the new One Direction. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't be rude about it, but frankly, talentless. You know, over-enhanced vocals. You know, let's take away all the enhancing, which you do nowadays when you've got those sort of competitions on the television. And Louis Walsh would know better and Simon would know better. 
you know, Nicole Scherzinger will just sort of sit there and hold up a yoghurt, which is all very exciting. And uh, Sharon Osbourne, lovely. We just like Sharon. Sharon could just sit there and just smile sweetly. You know, I'm not sure she knows exactly what's going on, but that doesn't matter. The programme is entertaining enough. But it's all these people who you know in a year's time, they won't be around. This group who they were going, it's going to be as big as One Direction. They couldn't fill a bath with fans. You know, you have a few people go, yeah, I really love them. And you think that's the power of television. That's what television is. And then there was a piece about Blue Peter. I thought the programme was finished. I had no idea it was still going. I seriously didn't know. And then they, the, the reason that we knew it was still going is because they invited Wills and Kate on because they're like so busy being royals. So they give them a gold Blue Peter badge for services to mental health. I thought this was a children's programme. What are we dealing with mental health? Aren't there programmes that are supposed to be for that? So they invite them on there so they can get coverage. And people go, oh, good God, Blue Peter's still going. And let's face it, nobody knew. I seem to remember a short while ago it had zero ratings. That's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? When you consider it was the biggest children's television programme. You know, John Noakes, every time I watch that programme with him climbing up Nelson's column, I feel physically ill. No, no safety wire, no safety nothing. He's climbing up a ladder which is strapped to the side of it. I mean, I, even thinking about it, I go cold and sweaty. And believe you me, you wouldn't like Steve Allen cold and sweaty even at this time of the morning. This is LBC with Steve Allen. So, Peter Kay cancels everything. 112 dates. I mean, this, as far as I'm concerned, it's about the biggest thing that I've talked about for a long while because he's not said what it is. He's just said it's family. We don't know. If there's an illness, we, uh, we have no idea. You can speculate, you can guess. But if Peter Kay cancels 112 dates, let me tell you, it's something pretty, pretty serious. In his life, it must be the most serious thing that's ever happened. He's not only cancelled all the dates, uh, all his future work, he's cancelled. And everybody's saying, is he OK, please? The bad news is, if you didn't buy your ticket through a reputable agency, you've lost your money. Okay, I only tell you that now because I spoke to loads of people that the moment the tickets went on sale, I had people saying, do you know any way we can get tickets? I said, listen, I I really wish I did. But, you know, I only do the usual route for tickets for things like that. And um, and so a lot of people did go and buy them through uh, what are laughingly called touts nowadays. So in other words, uh, I could be a tout. I'm not, but I I could be a tout. I could go out and the tickets go on sale and I, I phone up and go, I want a thousand tickets. Or I employ a load of people to go and buy tickets for me or queue up for me or whatever. And so I just hypothetically, I've got four tickets to go and see Peter Kay, their top price seats. And um, and I put them up on eBay and somebody goes, listen, I can't I can't get seats. So wait a minute. There's two two lots of two here. They're looking for a thousand pounds for two tickets to hell with it. I want to go and see Peter Kay. It's been eight years. Let's go see him. So I contact the tout because it's somebody secondary selling. OK, that makes you a tout if you're secondary selling and um and so i pay my thousand pounds to this person i've now got two tickets for peter k fantastic not knowing that the show is going to be cancelled and of course you know as with all these things don't worry you get your money back except you don't you don't get your money back you've paid a third person for the ticket he's bought them from an agency he's now selling them to you so it's sort of its first second person so you've paid your £1,000. You think you're going to get your £1,000 back? Forget it. You get nothing back. But the good news is that the tout, why they've not closed this legal loophole, I've got no idea. The tout not only gets your £1,000, but he gets his money back on the tickets. 
So if it was, you know, tickets worth £100 each, he gets £200 back, but he's got your £1,000, and you can't do anything about it. Nothing. You haven't got a leg to stand on. So I feel sorry for people who've been, you know, taken to task and unfortunately have lost out a huge amount of money. And some people might even have paid more money. I, don't, I mean, I really don't know. I'm not too sure whether or not people would sort of, you know, go out there and spend a £1,000 on a pair of tickets. They might. You might go and spend a 1000 quid on a pair of tickets because you might want to go and see Peter Kay. But if you didn't buy them from Source, you didn't get them from maybe the agency that was uh, contracted to sell the tickets in the first place, you are basically screwed. OK, so you can't get your money. You can't take them to court. You can't do anything at all. It's like me saying, look, look what I found in the studio. I found a keyboard. You want to buy it? I've got a keyboard. OK, 50 quid. 50 quid. Give us 50 quid. And you, and you say, right, that's a brilliant idea, Steve. I'll buy your keyboard for 50 quid. So you buy my keyboard for 50 quid, and then I leave LBC. And you go, what about me 50 quid? And I go, whistle, whistle for it. You're not getting your money back. You're not getting your money back on Peter K tickets unless they were sold directly to you from the agency appointed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not allowed. Do you know something? I must, I must tell you a story, actually. <laughs> Happened a long, long time ago at LBC, and we had somebody who was a bit of a fan of LBC, who worked here. It's a long, long time... I'm not sure I should tell you this story, actually. I can't believe I should tell you. Old Albert, it's Christmas. Anyway, so we're in the stable with Mary Joseph, the three nutty wise men and some donkeys and all the rest of it. Anyway, this, this bloke was, was a big fan of LBC, and he worked for LBC. Unfortunately, he liked LBC so much, he decided to recreate a studio at home. From here. And so, day by day... Day by day, he was taking bits of the studio. You'd come in and there'd be a microphone missing. Or you'd come in and there'd be a speaker missing or something. And you'd be, where's it all going? It all started going. And, and we was, nobody knew that this, this stuff was, was going at all. And it, sort of, and it got to the stage when all of a sudden the television vanished. And somebody said, where, well, where's all this gone? He went, it's in his house. Yes, yes. It's, it's just unbelievable. Yes unbelievable that the studio systematically went bit by bit. It's like sort of, you know, coming in and I don't know. I know they said working in a brothel and coming and discovering your underwear's gone and I thought it'd be a bit pointless anyway, wouldn't it, really, if you were working in a brothel? Who really cares? But, uh, well, they probably do, actually. I don't know. You have to start off dressed and then you go, da-da! And they go, seen it. You know, and then you sort of move on to something else. And so he systematically removed a studio, which I thought was hilarious. Well, I didn't actually, because I didn't know anywhere to broadcast from. Anyway, aside from that, so going back to, to the Peter K tickets, if you bought from a tout and you paid a lot of money, if you paid over face value, you've lost it. Because the ticket money only goes back to the person who bought the original ticket, OK? So that's what the law is, you know, and you can't get round it, because they should have closed that legal loophole off a long time ago, but they didn't. So the person who wins... Is the touts. What I'm concerned about is, and, and as interested as anybody else is, what's the matter with Peter Kay? That's what people want to know. He's on the front pages of a, of a few papers this morning. He's apologised. He said it's, it's family. But we don't, I, I don't know what that meant. Well, I understand what family is quite clearly, but I don't know what's the matter with him. And people worry because he likes work. This tour sold out. 112 dates went like that, you know. A bit like going to a Steve Allen show, you know. <laughs> And, you know, sells out. No, admittedly, not the same size venue. I'm not doing the O2 as yet. But uh, merely time. Merely time. And, um, and he's just said, I'm so sorry. And 1.7 million fans are going, are you OK? But he's, he's kind of withdrawn into himself. So we don't know if it's a problem with him. We don't know if it's a problem 
with a member of his family. We, we just don't know. All we know is he's not doing any of the shows and he's cancelled all future work. So it's got to be something big. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't make these statements. You know, when this show sold out and these shows weren't till next year, you know, people had bought them for Christmas presents. In fact, there's probably a lot of you listening who are thinking, but I bought tickets for my mum and dad to go and, I know, a producer did exactly the same. But luckily he bought from, you know, a source, Ticketmaster. So he, he can go back to Ticketmaster and he gets his money back. And you should get the booking fee back and all the rest of it. You should, in fact, get everything. But uh, imagine the, the venues that were all booked up with Peter Kay shows, all looking forward. The merchandise would have been printed already. There would be merchandise. I'm assuming there'd be T-shirts. I don't know what he sells at his gigs. I'm assuming there must be a whole raft of stuff that you would buy because that's how they make money on these tours. All that stuff would have been organised, if not done already, and sitting in warehouses, in boxes, ready to be taken. It's a huge operation. You know, you do, even even the little Steve Allen show when it goes out on the road, there's a cast of, God, dear, three, three last time, three of us there were. And you go out there and it sort of, it, it takes its time. In the case of Peter Kay, I know it's only one man on stage. You've got sound, lighting, auditorium organisation, you've got sales of all the merchandise. There would be a cast of, I would think, at least 30 or 40 people on that show. That's 30 or 40 people who were looking forward to a bit of work next year who don't have that work. Nothing to do with that. You know, they can't do anything about it. It's due to unforeseen circumstances. But you do worry, don't you? I worry. I worry about it. £85 million that tour was worth. I mean, work it out for yourself. Eighty-five million. I'm not saying that Peter Kay, you know, needs the money because he doesn't need the money. The money doesn't come into it. I think he would be as gutted as everybody else. So it's got to be something really serious because it just came out of the blue the other day. They just said Peter Kay cancels tour, and I thought, oh, perhaps it's. I thought originally I thought it was a joke. Originally I thought, oh, he's just done. You know what Peter Kay's like, you know, ha ha ha, kind of thing. And then I suddenly realised that it was quite serious. And he issued a statement, and he. Uh, and he's decided that uh, he's not doing anything. So, he's ca- so his diary is completely cleared. For how long, I do not know. But I'm sure that at some point, you know, news will leak out over what it is. And then perhaps all those people cynically going at the moment, oh, he's just cancelled. There's no reason why we'd want to cancel it. He loves working. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Pantomime cancelled. John Barrowman and the Crankies. It's Spanky Cranky and Willy Gags and all the rest of it. And one mother complained. First time in history, I think. Actually, tell a lie. A mother complained last year, I think, about Julian Clary pantomime. Because the... I don't know if you've been to a pantomime recently, but they are full of innuendos. And if you're doing Dick Whittington and and you're doing it, then quite clearly, and you've got John Barrowman starring in it with the Crankies, we're going to have the kids shouting out... Alice loves Dick. And it's as simple as that. One mother took her uh, fiancé and I think a few chip. What in God's name is that shirt? You're going on a picnic or something? Welcome to the drunk Australian who's sobered up now. Oh, I had, I had more. You bought that in L.A.? Take it back immediately. Seriously, it's not you. You're like a roadmap for the underground. Quite sweet, actually, but a bit young for you. Probably more, more in keeping with my kind of thing. Anyway, so anyways, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So uh, so they, they do this panto. They've all got innuendos in. All pantos have innuendos in. It's just in this one. It just happens to fall in. It's a gift. Alice loves Dick. And so you get all the kids. They don't know. They're little children. They've got no idea. They think it's funny. 
You ask any little children nowadays, and I don't want to sort of, you know, wallpaper it up there for everybody to see, but they do funny willy jokes and things like that and booby jokes and everything else. They hear it at home with their parents. They hear it at school. Why shouldn't they hear it on stage? Anyway, this this woman complained about it and said it was smutty and the uh, pantomime should be closed down. Well, don't go to pantomime then. Apparently it's ruined her Christmas. Good. Good. Need to get a life, love. You really need to get a life because I'm so bored with drippy people like you. If you don't like it, listen, if you've never, ever seen, I mean, come on, John Barrowman on any television programme, he does rude things. He's known for it. I can tell you something that he does as a party trick, but I, I'll save it for another programme. Might save it for the Hippodrome show. But anyway, and, um, and then he did Celebrity Juice the other day and his trousers split. This is nothing new for John Barrowman, let me tell you. John Barrowman getting his bits out, and although it's nothing new, let me tell you. So if somebody complains about pantomime, just don't go out, dear. Stay at home. It's obviously easier for you. Because, would I make pantos ruder? I don't think, well, it depends how rude you want to go, isn't it? I mean, it used to be, I mean, the, even adults now go, oh, look, 12 miles to London and still no sign of dick. You know, and that's, uh, that's sort of, and you know, it's just, that's what happens in panto. They don't have it anywhere else. Nobody else understands the British double entendre. We have, we have pantomime. Watch all the carry-on films full of double entendres. That's the whole idea. You know, Australia doesn't have panto. Because over there it's nothing new, men dressing up as women and slapping their thighs. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a normal thing. When you're going to look at half their pop stars, bless their little hearts. But, you know, it, if you seriously complain about something like that, you need to get a life. Stay in. Please stay in, because, you know, the world is just too much of a change for you. You're not going to like it at all. Uh, so glad you're better. Do go and see Biggins, says Anne. He is the ultimate dame, and totally knows he is the ultimate dame. He's very, very good at dame. Although, I don't know, I work with somebody who could be a dame quite easily. I don't think the fact somebody's got facial hair puts them off being a dame. Have you ever dressed up as a woman, Aussie boy? Have you ever dressed up as a woman? You want to tell us about? You're hung- he's hungover. You know Why? Yesterday, I leave here. We're all, you know, very tired. We've done the programme. If my phone rang once, it rang seven or eight times. And, and the producers, well, it kept ringing. And so I, I, I think you find it is seven or eight times. And the worst thing, I'm then sitting on the train, OK, and I'm going home and the phone rings. So I push the thing going, I can't talk right now. And I put, I'm on the train. It's a very quiet carriage. He then wrote back, well, I can't tell you exactly what he wrote back, but it was basically, you're telling lies. And I thought, I was sitting on a very quiet carriage. And when I looked up at the window, it had the do not use your telephone sign. So I didn't want to break the law on the train. And also, how can you have a conversation with somebody who spent most of the party wandering around looking for people from the fifth floor or Matt Stadlin? Unfortunately, neither was available. Matt Stadlin... I don't know if you've heard this. He'll probably tell you about it on his programme at the weekend. He made the party, just not the right party. He was, he was hoping... The funniest thing was reading his, uh, his blog on it. And I have to tell him this, and I shall tell him on Sunday morning as well. It, it's, it's almost like you can't make it up, can you? You cannot make up that you go to a party and you look round and you think, I don't know anybody. Of course, they were nothing to do with us. Nobody was there. He, he thought some people had commandeered the global tables and everything else. He said, obviously, some people from outside. It was seriously, I thought I thought it was a joke. I didn't go to the party, mainly because it's just it's not for me. I'm way too old for that kind of thing. When, when Matt hears this on, on the best of Steve Allen, I was going to say 
you, at what point did you realise that you were in the wrong party? When I mean, out of all the people, who did you... I mean, he can't have recognised anybody because there was nobody there from Global. We, we were in another part of the building. Well, I say we, I wasn't. But when somebody told me, I said, no, you're joking. How would you know that? But, of course, he's he's relatively new boy in the scheme of things. So he goes to the party. It is like... I did hear of a story some years ago of a woman who goes to Rome and gets picked up by her family. And as they're driving out of Rome, she suddenly looks at them and realises she doesn't know anybody in the car at all. They've picked up the wrong person. So she thought she was being kidnapped. I've heard of people who've been to the wrong funeral, the wrong wedding. But to go to the wrong Christmas party for the company, I thought I thought was the best ever. I think he's got to milk it. I think that has to go down in history as the only person who's ever been to the global Christmas party, but not gone to the global Christmas. He was invited, quite clearly, as indeed we all are, but uh, he just didn't. He only lasted a few minutes. It was too noisy for him. Our one was far more sedate. We were all, well, all the people who went to the global one were sitting around drinking sherry and playing canasta. That was a far more sedate affair. Some people were knitting in the corner and things like that. <laughs> the hell they were. So anyway, so I thought that, that was my best story of the week. I might tell that again and again and again, I think, as somebody who went to the party, but it was the wrong party. And what, I wonder how many people he walked past thinking, I wonder which floor they're on, or do I know? It's because it is interesting, isn't it, when you think about it, that there'd be loads of people he'd know from here, you know, all of his team and everything else. He must have looked around going, I mean, why didn't he text somebody and go, where are you? And they'd go, we're in the corner. So he'd wander over to a corner and discover a completely different set of people. It's all good stuff, isn't it, really? I like things like that. I think that quite cheered me up, really, because I've never done that. I don't think... I, have I ever, no, I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, who in, Ollie enjoyed that story, did he? Oh, bless him. Isn't that a good story, Ollie? Isn't that a good story? I think that is such a good story. The, the worst thing was that he said... Come closer, come closer. He spent a lot of time in the toilet. And I don't know why. I mean, do you think he was finding solace... In the toilet. And he was he was there. When I say finding solace, he was probably hoping... Because if, if you go into a dark place, you can't see people. If I walked into a party, you know, I'd be looking around going, who do I recognise, who do I recognise, nobody. I'll go to the toilet. So if you go to the toilet, it's fairly bright. And you can maybe sort of bump into... And then you can go, oh, look, there's Aussie boy. Uh, or, or anybody. But he didn't see anybody in the toilet. Because there wasn't anybody from our party in the toilet. <laughs> I think it was just so funny. I think it's such a good story. I mean, yeah, I hope he doesn't take it the wrong way. I hope he takes it in the spirit in which it's meant. Hilarity. Because I've just never heard of anybody going to the wrong party and wandering about. But he didn't, he didn't enjoy it for the two minutes he was there. I think he spent five minutes in the toilet and he didn't bump into anybody in the toilet. Did he? Can you imagine? Do you think he was asking anybody? Excuse me, um, uh, Matt, Matt Stadlin. Uh, are you from Global? Which department do you work in? They'd be looking at me like, you're off your trolley, pal, aren't you? You're off your trolley. <laughs> bless him, honestly, bless him. Steve Allen on LBC. Here she is, Rebecca Vardy. This little plain, desperate to be famous, desperate to be somebody, desperate to be noticed person. And uh, she apparently broke down in tears over claims she was a bully in the jungle over Ian Lee. And... Um, uh, the uh, Ian apparently has been accused of playing a game. I, I see no reason why I wouldn't play. It's a game. It's a game to be played, isn't it? That's the whole idea. Don't ever underestimate him. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not stupid. Really. 
He's, he's, you know, if anybody knows how to play a game, he'd be it, and he'd be acting to do the bit about, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, hence Strawberry Gate, although that's all finished now anyway. But uh, she said, you know what? I was the one who was the most supportive of it. Darling, nobody cares about you. Nobody gives a stuff about you. You're just a wag. You're a nobody. You're a wag. You've got children. Look after them. Stay at home. Clean. Oh, you can't do that, can you now? Stereotyping. Okay, go and start driving a tractor or something. But, you know, forget this silly notion of being some sort of celebrity. It's like the people on The Apprentice. They're not celebrities. When I spoke to my guest the other day, a guest that we were talking about, uh, people like Rebecca Vardy, and he said, don't start me on that. He said, do not start me on that. He said, these people have no talent. What? She hasn't got any talent. She's got nothing. Nothing. They put them up on Sky News. Who's the one that they use? Michelle Dewberry. Hello, have you ever analysed what she says? Drivel. Drivel. It's called blanking it. It's just rubbish. And Rebecca Vardy, exactly the same. I'm sorry, dear, just having your hair done in curlers and putting some makeup on doesn't make you a celebrity nowadays. Well, it better blooming not. We want to see people with talent. People with talent. Let's just try and have it, you know, a little bit different this year, shall we? And we'll try and sort of recognise people. Uh, I remember, says Tony, Ian Lee used to be quite quirky, quite saddened to see the serious side of a funny man. He was never funny. He was never funny. It was all, it was all just the act. That was the act. He sort of did it, and then it all sort of slotted in into place. But don't ever underestimate him. Don't ever, you know the public didn't. He he got as far as number three, and then he was out. And then who won it? Oh, Toffee. Who was the second person? Jamie Lomas, who turns out to be the one who was married to Kim Marsh, who apparently was in Hollyoaks and has been in EastEnders, and apparently trying to resurrect a career. Claim uh, to fame by association, I think you'll find. Steve Allen on LBC. I was just talking to a friend of mine, and, uh, and uh, he's on another radio station just around the corner. And he said, there's n- he said since I've been doing radio, because he hasn't always done radio, he said, uh, I've got more throat infections than anything else. I said, well, I said, the problem is for me, if I get a throat infection, and I think this is the longest time I think I've ever had off in my entire career... I don't think I had this long off for the stents to be put in, I'm sure. But uh, it's, there's, I said, there's nothing you can do about it. I said, because I can't... It's not like doing a music-based programme yet. And, uh, you know, here's Mantovani and the orchestra. And you saw... <laughs> I was getting into it. Vivaldi, one of my popular people. And uh, <laughs> the Four Seasons. Rachmaninoff. Uh, sorry, anyway, anyway I, I digress. And it's, it's a case of you can't move away from it. You cannot move away from it because you've got to talk. Whatever happens, I'm employed, please thank God, uh, until seven o'clock in the morning. So I start at four, finish at seven. And, and I've got to talk. It's not like I could sort of go and here's 20 minutes worth of music and I can sort of, you know, go and tiddle off and do some wallpapering. I can't do that. And so when we get a throat infection on LBC, you know about it. And also you can hear it. You can hear it in somebody's voice. And so when I got up, yesterday, well, yesterday, I was sort of thinking, I think this, this is actually going well. There are a few things. First of all, I actually got a decent night's sleep the night before. When I say decent night's sleep, that for me was sort of um, everything appeared to be back in, in working order. You know, get my drift. And, uh, and I thought, I'm obviously getting better. I'm coming out of the, of the painting. I'm emerging through the other side. And I can finally see where I'm going because I was getting bored witless. Because you know what it's like? You sit there in front of the television. You wake up early in the morning. And a couple of mornings I woke up early. In fact, one of them, I, I did a, a dress rehearsal. I know, you just think we wake up in the morning and walk in here. No, 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 no. This is all carefully rehearsed. Every single, 
Every single word on this programme is all put together, you know, carefully crafted with love and affection, hopefully to entice you in as an audience. That's how it works. You know, and, and the better you do it, the bigger the audience grows and the more people go, I'm with the script writing team here. We are... Me- Listen, other programmes, you can hear the money spent on air. On this programme, you don't hear it, but I promise you, there's a group of people backstage there writing, rewriting. Was that funny when he said it that way? Was that funnier than this way? No. And then, as usual, because it's festive time and it's when we visit Auntie Enid, and thank you for the cards that people have been sending in for her. I'm not giving them to her. There's no point in making her happy this Christmas. And so she'll then add her sixpenneth. And so you have scriptwriters. I can remember years and years ago, Joan Rivers came into LBC. And she came in on one of the programmes. And she came in with two scriptwriters. And as she was sitting there being interviewed, they're writing lines and giving them to her. And she's repeating these lines. She worked with scriptwriters. Most of the... if, If ever you go to see an American TV comedy show being taped... They will do a bit, and I've seen them do it on Friends. And they'll, they'll do a bit, and then if it doesn't get the reaction, they'll say to the audience, did you get that bit? And they'll go, no. And so then the scriptwriters will quickly rewrite something, do it, and then they'll, it will then come out again. I mean, believe you not, believe it or not, it, I mean, it's carefully crafted, and so this, this programme's absolutely nothing like that at all, as you can well imagine. It's just a load of old toffee, isn't it, really, at this time of the morning? But it's toffee worth getting up for. It's worth getting up for, I promise you. Steve Allen on LBC. I should explain, actually, for those people who've never heard this programme before, it's a slightly unusual radio programme. It's not like your usual ho-hum, here we go, head in the clouds, arty-crafty kind of thing. It's not like that. It's just, it's... Yes, you know, we we don't sort of say, oh, what's your favourite biscuit? What's your favourite Christmas cat? We don't do that kind of... This is not BBC Local Radio. As you probably gathered, it's somebody here with an opinion. BBC Local Radio is, oh, look... People have died in other countries. Anyway, moving on now. The vicar's with us from the local church and he'll be running through the Sunday services for you. You know, we don't do that kind of thing. What's your favourite smell? You know, and the answer is, who cares? Because it's the same thing all the time. It's what's commonly known as a, as a lazy standby. You know, people do that. Oh, it's like Christmas. You can guarantee there'll be Christmas Day phone-ins on BBC local radio stations around the country. The sooner they go, the better, and we'll have more money to spend on something else. Like an extra person on the BBC breakfast show. Have you noticed? They have people for doing everything. You have somebody on doing the sport. Why the presenters can't do sport? No, only reading an auto cue. It's not blooming difficult. Who cares whether they know what they're talking about? Just read the thing, love, all right? Then you've got a bloke and a woman. They all seem to earn different amounts of money. Then you've got the northern woman with all the teeth who looks like Muffin the Mule. Is What's her name? Death McGovern. Oh, Steph McGovern. Do you make a Death McGovern. Actually, Death McGovern. Might... She does the business here. But now they've started using it for other things. And you think, what a... She was, have I got news? What a waste of money. Stop trying to develop a personality, dear. It's not there. OK? Anyway, and then they've got the weather girl. The, the oldest weather girl in living memory. They obviously go to the cemetery. They dig her up every morning. They replaster the face and out she comes. Here she is, Carol, desperately trying to... But should I, should I... Oh, honestly, of Paul Smith. Oh, the Scottish Mafia come in. Don't they? Paul Smith gets all uppity now. Of course, Ollie will not know a thing of what's going on at the moment. Ollie will be sitting out there, you know, this, how did the party go, Ollie? Mm, you know, not a clue. Anyway, so, but it's, it's, how many people do you need to present a news programme on the television? It's just, you know, Nick Ferrari manages very well by himself in the morning. Thank you very much indeed. He can read sports news. He can read news. He can do the interviews. On the BBC, I counted it the other day. They did about two minutes into the programme before they linked to somebody else. What a waste of money. A waste of my money. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. Who needs a weather person? I mean, seriously. 
I'm getting myself all excited now. And then poor old Steph, you know, to sort of introduce the element of northernness into the programme. And then there's a, a woman who reads the uh, sports news. There's normally a bloke on there, but he's obviously been pensioned off or something, and they've sort of moved him side. How many people do you need to do a pro... And that's not including the cast list of thousands who seem to work on these programmes. You know, and here's the weather. What did we do the other day with her? They shoved her down to Winter Wonderland. Unfortunately, she came back. She found her way back. She's like a homing weather person. <laughs> and you think to yourself, who gives us stuff? It's the weather. I can tell you now, it's cold outside. What else do you want to know? What else do you want to know? It's going to be minus three. So? So? God in heaven, honestly. I think weather people are the most overrated people in the entire universe. Get rid of all of them. Make, make the blooming presenters do something for their money. Yeah, look out the window. What does it look like out there? It looks cold and it's wet. That's the weather. OK? In Carol's sake, there she is standing there wearing another luxurious outfit. They've got one on GMB as well. It's just ridiculous. And then all the regional ones. OK, let's now cross to somebody in your region. Hello? It's going to be really wet today. Really, really, really wet. Good. Drives you mad, doesn't it, really? Not on this programme. I do everything. I can read the news. I can, I can read my links. I can, oh, I'm late for the news now. I can do all these other things. I don't need somebody to sort of, you know, to help me through it. Just need somebody to mainly tell me when to get off and sort of go on to something else. Steve Allen on LBC. Wasn't it yesterday that people were talking about the moon landings and you get the conspiracy theorists who go, of course, it never, never happened at all. It was all CGI. Do you thought, don't be silly. We didn't have CGI in the 60s. You know, only have to be reasonably intelligent to know that. And there are the people who think it was all dummied up in uh, an aircraft hangar. Why? Why would you dummy something up? What, what would be the point of that? What would be the point of that? Somebody somewhere, it's like, you know... The, uh, have they really found uh, a creature from outer space? That'd be so stupid. Of course they haven't. There is no creature from outer space. There is no Rothwell. There is no, you know, the crop circles and all these other balmy mad people. Well, it's, it's, so, in other words, this thing hovers over a field and nobody sees it. Nobody gets a photograph from their car, you know, because it just comes down and in one minute it does this. It's students with a piece of rope and a blooming broom handle and a lamp. God, you know, there's some real thick people. People want to believe, don't they? Meaty phone, oh, meaty phone. They wanted to believe that there is a little green man somewhere who's going to come down. Whereas, in fact, if he did, he'd eat you. OK? No such thing. I don't care what you say about, you know, other planets and there could be life out there. Yeah, and there might be pixies up on the moon as well, you know. Might be a branch of McDonald's up there, but I think it's highly unlikely. You know, or on Mars. What are we expected to find? There's somebody going, what the hell are you? And we go, we're, we're from Earth. Yes, Trump, Trump Tower. It could be soon, actually. Do you think he'd actually get up there and sort of plant a flag with Trump on it or something like that? I mean, Mars is it's miles away, isn't it? It's not exactly like a quick sort of hop on a bus. It's going to take years to get there. So many light years. What's the point? There's no swimming pool when you get there. There's no sort of uh, complex. Nothing at all. Don't bother. Seriously. But it's the conspiracy theorists. I love it. I love it. I love people who's seven months to get to Mars. You see? You've got to grow a beard in that time. You've got to grow a beard. We could always send somebody, couldn't we? Who do we not like at the moment? Oh, that's limited. Gemma Collins. We could send Gemma Collins. That'd be nice. Send her with that dreary little baggage arge. That's like they both go there and talk in their funny little children's voices. Uh, Steve, welcome back. Glad you're better. But if I get ill, I'm blaming you, says uh, Joe. As it must have got me through the radio. Wouldn't it be funny if they actually proved in years to come that you could actually catch an illness through the radio? Because I'm always fascinated by the fact that you speak into this thing here and... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people 
are listening on a rate. I mean, how does that work? How does it? How do my words go? I mean, I can't explain it. Seriously, and I've been in the business for donkey's years. I've got no idea how it works. I'm just fascinated. There's an aerial up on the roof. Aliens. It's aliens, you see. People from Mars. I used to like the Carpenter song. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. They were good. Love the Carpenters. Uh, Mark says, dismissing crop circles, aliens and spaceships whilst you're off have turned into... have turned into Jonathan Creek. Oh, I liked Jonathan Creek, actually. It's good. Tony in Southsea says, you can send Gemma Collins, Katie Price and Donald Trump on a one-way trip to Mars. Who do you think would throw themselves off the spaceship first? Who do you think it'd be? Out of all of this sitting there, Gemma Collins going, yeah, I'm the GC, like GC, and, you know, I've got this outfit, and Katie Price go, uh, yeah, because I just want to be here to put the record straight. And Trump will be going, open the door, push them both out. It's just, yeah, I have the best and the biggest rocket in the world, and we're going to go on the space race. Seven months to get to Mars. God, that's a lot of chocolate bars for Collins. and never make it. Never make it. You can always take a party barrel of Kentucky, love. I, th- I seriously think, actually, really, I don't want to be rude, but, you know, you keep going on about, you know, I want to lose weight, and now you're advertising oversized clothes, so quite clearly you're either a liar or you're just blooming useless. Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from 5 o'clock tomorrow morning, and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week, too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.